Hey everyone, and welcome to week three of the Project Esports podcast, where the big topics are talked about each and every week relating to anything in esports with two other, I guess, not too bad guys. I have two awesome co-hosts with me as well, and we're just here to kind of talk about esports, have some fun, and not take ourselves a little too seriously here. My name is Andrew Nimsgren. Once again, I am the somewhat host of the podcast. You'll understand why I say that uh, coming up in just a second. Um, Call Shun from uh, Wisconsin obsessed with esports obsessed with video games marketing all of the above and it kind of just ended up becoming a podcast and then i went to reddit and i guess reddit is the birth of all things like this so thank you reddit but i'm going to hand it off to james one of my first co-hosts to introduce himself just a little bit again yeah i'm uh i'm james graham i'm a mental health security officer um i'm also the league of legends manager for honor esports um a fairly new organization up and coming um huge league of legends fan um legal big league of legends player myself as well um yeah been obsessed with the scene since and uh managed to stumble upon andrew's uh article or uh post and uh, kind of been here we are sort of thing so uh you know and i'll uh, i'll pass it over to dylan hey everyone i'm dylan beal um, I'm a tech consultant by day, and I am involved in the collegiate esports scene, doing event support, um, kind of my off hours. Um, and yeah, so that's me. Yeah. Um, and kind of just even how Dylan said in his introduction that he is the on-staff kind of collegiate esports guy, and he knows everything there needs to be about that kind of stuff. And today's topic just happens to be collegiate esports, the NCAA and esports, kind of however you want to call it. We're talking about should and why and all the above topics of the two going together. And since he is the one that knows everything about that, I am going to hand him over to host the rest of the podcast and kind of keep me and James on track, if that's even possible. So take it away. All right. So um, I was going to do a little further introduction about myself to talk about my collegiate esports uh, kind of history, I guess. Um, so I got involved in collegiate esports when I came into um, Penn State University as a freshman. Um, I spent my first week kind of just wandering about and eventually um, I, I liked esports. I was really into StarCraft 2 at the time and I heard there was a club meeting so I kind of went into that club and it was really amazing to be honest to have something that you're, you really enjoy and for it to be a really niche thing. Um, this was back in 2013 so this was about four years ago. Um, StarCraft was, it was really popular at the time, but no one in my high school really played except for my best friend. And he actually went to Penn State with me, so me and him went into it. And it's really hard to describe how amazing of a feeling it is to walk into a place and see like 20 to 30 other people who are just super hyped about the thing that you're passionate in. Um, and ever since that day, I was really interested in collegiate esports, and I just wanted to kind of further it and make other people feel the same way I did then. Um, so after that year, um, I ended up running the StarCraft division there. Um, the year after that, I became the vice president of the club and the following year, the president of the club. Um, and I graduated back in May and I kind of moved on. I still want to be involved in the scene somewhat. So, um, I hopped on a startup and I'm doing event support now. Um, so basically my, um, my, my startup I'm working with is working with different clubs, um, and trying to get sponsors out to them. Because it's a little bit hard with um, with college students because they're trying to build themselves up and they're trying to build themselves up within leadership um, to actually reach out to these really big companies. So we're kind of molting the gap there. 
Um, so that's kind of my experience with it. Um, the first question I want to ask you guys actually is, are, have you ever been involved in like, um, like leadership in any sort of way? So like whether that's in a club or like maybe at work or anything? Uh, I've previously, I was a supervisor for, uh, for the security team I'm a part of. Um, but other than that, that's really about it. I mean, occasional team captain back when I played football, but nothing, nothing too serious, I guess. And I guess for the other way around, I guess I've had a little fair bit of leadership. Uh, I guess at least in college alone, I've been a president of the Collegiate Entrepreneurship Organization. Um, and then the president or the co-founder or whatever of uh, Fantasy Sports and Finance as well. And then I have a couple things from high school and a couple other leadership roles here and there. But that's about it. And uh, I'm sure I'm sure from those positions, you guys know that um, whenever you kind of st- step up and become a leader, um, especially when you're younger, is a really big deal. Um, and I think it's even more so important in a scene like Collegiate Esports, where um, a lot of our peers are somewhat reserved and stuff. So something like a club like that, where we can kind of step up and learn how to be leaders and stuff, it's a really big growing experience. I knew before I did it, I was actually super quiet and super shy and reserved. Um, and never really put myself out there, but it kind of helped a lot with that. And I think that's what's really important about collegiate esports too, is um, it really helps you kind of like learn and develop these skills. Cause you know, a lot of times you would tell like your parents, oh, I, you know, I'm really interested in esports and stuff and they might put it down. Um, but you can actually learn a lot of really valuable things um, in, in a scene like that. Um, and on top of that, it helps you kind of um, develop your skills within the university specifically for um, esports because you know there's a ton of new jobs popping up now and any job that's in esports right now you can kind of find your roots in those jobs that you want in the collegiate scene um, so if you want to put on like really big events and stuff like you want to you know put on like a like a blizzcon type event all that kind of stuff starts in the collegiate scene so um, some of the things that we did is you know we had viewing parties for like basically all the big ones. So like Worlds is coming up. So I know my club um, back at Penn State is is running an event for that. Um, and, you know, big lands. So all those things, even though they're not on a gigantic scale with thousands and thousands of people, you're still getting your roots and you're still learning your skills that way. And so, you know, that's, that's a really big part of the club and, and can really help everyone who's going into the esports scene and wants to go there professionally. Um, kind of build up their skills. Um, I have one question for you, Dylan. Mm-hmm. If you had to give, like, let's say one of our listeners want to start one of these clubs because they don't have one on their campus, what's the number one or two things you could say about helping someone get these kind of started or to take the step to make this a reality? And so I'm pretty sure you know the answer to this because you're a business guy, but the first step is just to start. Like, it's it's really that simple is you just got to start doing it. Um, you might think you don't have the resources or the interest, you, but you just got to start doing it because that's kind of like the first step. So I know um, a couple of collegiate leaders because um, I speak I speak with quite a bit of them, not only um, through my, my part-time work, but also just kind of as advisor for some of them. Um, if you just kind of put yourself out there and just try to get interest, people will start coming out to it. As long as you have something for people to come out to, they'll come out to it. Cause it's, it's, it's your, it's your university. Like there's gotta be a few people that are interested in, in esports. 
Um, so do, you're currently in, enrolled into university right now, right, Andrew? I am. Um, do you guys have an esports club? We don't. I know we have like a Smash Brothers club and we have like a League of Legends club. Like we have a couple like individual esport clubs, but we don't have a one kind of a unified one throughout the organization okay or the university yeah and that happens sometimes sometimes you know they're split off into different fragments so you'll have your smash guys and your league guys because maybe some of the other games aren't popular but in some aspect usually esports is in in the university somewhere at least um have you guys watched any any university esports uh yeah, I always try and tune into the like the League of Legends circuit that usually I mean they don't have the some of the smaller matches, but as soon as it starts getting into like the top sixteen, they actually start like streaming it like like regularly and stuff like that. So I always try and tune into that. It's really cool to watch. And really all I've ever watched is actually the Heroes of the Storm, like the Heroes of the Dorm or something is I think what they changed it to. I think that was really one of the first esports things I ever actually watched. To kind of think about my roots back there. And I think that is probably one of the things I'm like, damn. You can play video games and make real money, and I think that's one of my big things that kind of got me in esports. And it's sadly the only college esports I've ever watched. Yeah, um, and those those are two really great things. Um, I know you will. I really like the the program Riot has kind of put on. Um, you know, there is a lot of very very competitive teams there. Um, that the the amount of dedication that they put in. I know. Um, I think it's Robert Morris University. Um, they have a really killer team, and they actually provide scholarships to their entire team, um, which is kind of like a growing trend now. Like more and more universities are doing it. Oh yeah, it's it, it, that that sort of thing. Like I think one or two teams started doing it, or one or two like uh, uh, like schools started doing it, and then everybody was like, "Oh, this 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 has a huge draw." And now, yeah, it seems to be it seems to be a big deal, especially over in the, I, th- I see I think it was China is also becoming really really big into it too, especially with their universities mm-hmm. and stuff. And I really hope that it is going to be an ongoing trend. Um, the unfortunate thing um, that is kind of happening with that though is that it's usually the smaller schools that do it. Um, so you're not really seeing your you know your Big Ten schools, your your Ivy League schools really taking up this initiative. Um, just because the way that these big universities run, it's very, very slow. They're not super quick to change. They're kind of set in their ways. So they don't really adopt these kind of revolutionary programs like some of the smaller schools can. Um, but do you guys do you guys see some of the bigger schools ever kind of uh, taking up that mantle and actually running with you know scholarships for something like League of Legends? I could see... Uh... I think I could see U of T doing it, um, especially with their dominance in the the the, the ULOL scene. Um, I feel like they, and I know, I've, I've spoken to a couple guys who are actually trying out for that team, and I think that they would be one of the one the early adapters of it. Um, aside from that, I mean, we have a couple like local schools around here who I could see adapting to it as well. Um, maybe not Dalhousie because Dalhousie is again, like you said, Dylan, they're one of those schools that's like set in their ways, they're doing their thing, and that's just it. Um, but maybe something like maybe like maybe SMU, maybe St. Mary's University, uh, maybe one of the, the the colleges we have down here, like uh, Nova Scotia Community College. But other than that, yeah, I think it's it's the same thing. Like you got these guys are established; they're like you know they're as old as their foundation, sort of thing, right? And they don't want to, they don't really want to rock the boat. Um, I'm actually going to disagree with both of you because I'm proud to say that the Big Ten from the Midwest actually has partnered with Riot. 
and every player on 12 of the 14 teams from the Big Ten will receive a $5,000 academic scholarship. So there are 12 of the 14 teams from the Big Ten. This is for League of Legends, and the Big Ten partnered with Riot, and um, the organizations are student clubs, and then whoever the starting five um, members from that club for each university receive a $5,000 academic scholarship. Actually, so it's not like a sports scholarship yet, but that's what's been going on. So actually, I do have a retort for that. Um, so the big thing with that is the universities actually weren't the ones involved with that. It was Big Ten. So Big Ten as an organization put that on and gave them the the scholarships. Um, so it was scholarships funded by the Big Ten. Um, actually, P- Penn State University was actually supposed to be in that too, but. The, the hiccup that we got into is that they're super protected of, of their brand. So they ended up not signing off on it and we ended up not getting into that big 10 league. So yeah, which is, is I think kind of adds on to it that all we needed was a logo from them and they couldn't even sign off on the logo. We weren't asking for money. Oh they my couldn't God. sign off on the logo, which I mean the Midwest big 10 schools, that's, that's really great. Um, Cause not all of them had to sign off on logos because some of them are more relaxed on it, but some of them were able to, which is actually a really good step forward, I think. Um, but it's still not that super hard um, support that we're getting from um, the smaller schools. But I could definitely see, you know, because it was such a positive interaction between the Big Ten um, network and esports, some of those Big Ten schools in the Midwest um, that, that you're near could be the first ones to actually, you know, push forward and actually be a big university with an esports program. All right. Good. I guess I didn't drop some knowledge on you. That's good. Come back to that. You're ready for that one. <laughs> um, that was actually a really big ordeal for me when I was running the club. I actually never heard the end of that from anyone. Um, I, mean, I mean, something as simple as a logo, man. Like, yeah. holy crap. Um, but actually, so, so going into bigger uh, collegiate organizations um the ncaa i'm um, thinking about esports what, what do you guys think of that do you think it's a good thing do you think it's a bad thing will it push the scene forward or do you think it's kind of someplace we should avoid altogether okay uh well i mean I'm, unfortunately my point's gonna be kind of kind of shorter this unfortunately just because I'm Canadian, and my exposure to the NCAA is very, very limited. Um, I'm just, like, even when I was in college and stuff like that, like, I was never, like, we don't have anything really close to it. We have the AUS. But, um, unfortunately, my most exposure to the NCAA is uh, watching the Oregon Ducks play and seeing some of this, some of the sketchier stuff coming out of the NCAA, uh, mainly with uh, how they treat their players. And, like, I mean, I heard... Um, I think it was the March Madness that just passed. Um, you know, how, like how crazy, how, like the turn in and the revenue generating for 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 Duke um, basically could have like it could have paid for all of them, but like of course they're not getting any money because they're student athletes, right? So I don't, I, I like I'm I'm kind of like you know off to the side about this. I don't I don't know too too much really about the NCAA and how it operates. And I am one hundred and twenty percent against it. Um, I think the NCA is, uh, excuse my language, but a bunch of hard asses and that that is the exact opposite thing that the esports needs to grow. I mean, esports has came up from nothing and came up from only the people who play it 
and the people who are passionate about it. And when you start bringing in the people that know very little about it, let alone care little about it, it's just going to turn into something that people don't want to see or don't want to be a part of. I mean, I can go on for day, days of reasons I don't want it. But I mean, right now, if you're a good League of Legends player that would be playing on one of these teams, you're streaming on Twitch. Which means you're not able to make income from streaming on Twitch anymore. And I could see people deciding to go with streaming on Twitch instead of being um, on these teams. Because why wouldn't I want to go make money right now from going playing video games online and advertising it that way instead of going and playing for my college and having to make nothing. So that's just one big reason I can see. I mean, I'm sure you have some points too, Dylan, that you'd bring up, but that's just kind of the first one that the NCAA doesn't care about esports, and that's not what esports needs to grow. I totally agree with that. Um, I think esports should definitely stay out of it um, for basically all the same reasons. Um, I do wish there was kind of um, one big league that could kind of help facilitate a lot of esports things because I do think that could be a benefit of the NCAA is having kind of this big organization help facilitate a few things between the colleges would be beneficial. But all the negatives that come with the NCAA, I think, are, are you know, horrible for the scene. And I think, actually, I, I this might be a little bit of a tangent, uh, but I still think it's pretty relevant. There is kind of a, a correlation between like your your proficiency in esports and your age. So typically after about 20, I think it's 23, um, I forget the research off the top of my head, but um, basically a few of your the nerves that fire in your brain uh, kind of start to slow down a little bit. And when you're playing esports at the highest level, that's actually kind of a big hindrance. Um, so that's why we don't see a lot of like really older players in the esports scene. And it's typically people who are still in their early 20s or maybe even 18, 19 years old. Um, so if someone is coming into, um, you know, getting up to that age of where they're about to go into university and they're really good at League of Legends, why would they spend those, you know, precious esports years in the university when they're not going to be making money when if you're good enough, you can... You can, you know, just go over to like EG um, to play Dota or you can be like, uh, go to like TSM or something like, why, why, why would you spend those precious years in university playing esports when you could be playing at the top level? Like it makes sense for sports because you don't need, like, like you have more years for sports and you can use that time to develop your skills. Um, what, do, what do you guys, what do you guys think about that? Yeah, like the the shelf life for like a, a pro player in esports is so it's so much more refined than any like than like football or uh, re- really any other any other physical sport because your reaction time is so much more reliant in esports than it is anything else. And I mean, like like you said, like the you only see outliers of players that are that are like above that cap, and even still, those players are playing in very specific roles that don't require their like their mechanics their their reaction time to be as quick as everybody else's they're usually in like supporting roles or you know uh, decisions or like positions that they can kind of plan out what they're going to do much ahead of time sort of thing uh, the big one to me is medios who's pushing almost 30 i think he's i think he's 28 27 and he's a support player so like he he's the outlier but you don't have like committing to 
the the NCAA, like you're not going to have a bunch of these players who can sacrifice five years or uh, I guess four years would probably be the typical run. I'm not entirely sure. Um, but yeah, like you're just, you're shooting yourself in the foot. And even if you do try and, I'm assuming even if you do try and stream, like you're like any of the revenue that you generate from donations or anything like that, I'm assuming the NCAA is going to take a cut out of it, like, or, or hinder it completely. I'm not too sure how their, how their contract works or their, their setup works. Um, so this was pretty much decided 100% early last year. Um, there was a football player at the University of California or somewhere over there that had a YouTube page on the side, and he just did funny videos, and I think he was a comedian or something along that line. And the NCAA made him choose between continuing to monetize his YouTube account or playing football. He ended up quitting the football team a, like a week later or something like that and continuing with his YouTube channel. So there's not a chance oh that these... Uh, college students would receive any kind of money from Twitch. And if they do, they would not be able to play anymore, which is kind of the first point I was making that I don't, I just think it would hurt it, especially since there's already an organization somewhat kind of tackling college esports. So, I mean, Dylan, you probably know about this a little bit already, but James, um, so there's currently the national association of collegiate esports right now. It's more or less kind of been organically developed, and they are the governing body of the 50 universities that give out esports scholarships and stuff kind of like that. Um, the argument between why bringing the NCA versus the NACE is because it is such a big industry that they want to try to jumpstart it as much as possible and bring in the NCAA with a lot more money is kind of why that change is looking to be made, unfortunately, despite no one really wanting that to happen. Okay, so it's it's kind of like the same. In contrast, it's kind of like the Overwatch League, where you're not letting it grow organically and see what happens. You're just chucking a bunch of money at it and seeing if it it becomes a good thing or not. Well, exactly. Except realistically, they're not chucking money at it. The NCAA is just using this more or less as a marketing tool to bring younger people in to watch these schools and just take money from it. They're not putting money into it. Oh uh, yeah. They're just taking money from Fair it. Enough. Is how I kind of see it. But yeah, Dylan, I'll hand it back over to you. I could go on all day about this. <laughs> and so I think that also leads into another point that I want to talk about. Um, so since the shelf life of esports players is so short, is the collegiate scene where we actually want to see high-level competition? I mean, yeah, it would be great if we can have some really amazing players there and there could, there could be some really high-level play. But because of that, and because why don't they just go over to a pro team if that they're that good? Do you think it it should be that kind of focus? Do you think collegiate esports should be more about maybe developing a community, developing job skills, and allowing for people who are good at esports but maybe not quite that pro level to to kind of play the field? What do you guys think? I mean, yeah, like, I see it almost, like, not so much, I mean, even with, like, the franchising models being implemented and stuff like that, like, you're not even going to see that, like, I mean, there's going to be enough player positions opening that you don't really need the collegiate scene, like, or you, or it's going to become much more minor, because everybody's going to try and get on one of these farm teams, right, um, so, I mean, I think, I think if, if the collegiate scene was smart, they, they develop it, develop it more towards, like, 
like support staff in that industry more than anything like and having maybe like not so much trying to create like a league but like create like programs dedicated to esport i know this is this may be a little like down the rabbit hole sort of thing but i think they i think they should try and funnel it into you know um all these different uh these different like roles that you need in like a, a normal like sports team organization but catered to esports and in going that direction um yeah i i don't know this is really a hard one because i yeah i agree the shelf life is short and like right now uh berserks berserks Berger, oh my god the TSM mid lane. I cannot say his name for the life of me. When it, Bjergsen. Yeah, of Bjergsen, course, the yeah. second I get on uh, microphone, I can't <laughs> say his name. But so he's 21 right now. And he started playing when he was 16 professionally or 17 when he was professionally. So he was able to kind of extend his shelf life because he got to go in early for that professional level. That's not an option at the collegiate level. And it just gets complicated in the way that why if, yeah, someone that goes and plays at 16, let's say is one of the best players in the world. They have to stay collegiate. I mean, they can never go to the collegiate level then if they start playing at 16 and join TSM. And that's the problem I see that people are getting younger and younger joining these professional teams. And then when they go to college, you have to try to uh, juggle professional sport and college at the same time. And I, I just don't think a competitive esports level is needed, is what I'm trying to get at. I think it would be more recreational. I think they should give out small scholarships for it for people that are trying to get there. But the people that are going to be the next Jensen's, the next Fakers, will never play at the collegiate esports level, which is why I don't see the need for the NCAA to get involved. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that because I still think even if you're not seeing the highest level of play, seeing a high level play can still be very interesting to watch. So I think from a spectator point of view, I think it's totally good um, to have collegiate players playing. And on top of that, I think it's really good for the students too, because being able to play on a team and learning how to interact with people um, that, that you're playing with, learning how to juggle multiple things in life. So you are doing esports and you have to have practice and stuff but you're also, you know, focusing on your schoolwork too and maintaining good grades. I think that kind of, that balance of things and doing all these these extra things that you would be doing by playing on a collegiate team, I think that's enough benefit that, you know, I, I, I think it warrants scholarships too. I, I think these students can develop some really, really useful skills. Like even if they're not staying in the esports industry, I still think those skills will definitely move on and, and are important to learn. No, I definitely agree. From even just playing high school sports and being a part of um, organizations here on campus, I mean, being involved can do nothing but help people grow as individuals along with their professional sport as well. So I definitely think there is a place for a collegiate esports league, but I don't see a place for a competitive one, which is kind of what you're saying. So it needs to be supported, but I don't think it needs to be nationally supported. The universities that want to put passion into it I think our 100% should go for it, and those people that want to be a part of that should go there. But I don't think there needs to be a League of Legends team at every single D1 school in the nation. Now, what do you think it would take um, for these bigger universities to be willing to fund some of these programs and you know, be willing to 
maybe hire a coach for League of Legends or to, you know, even, you know, kind of give esports the time of day. What do you think it's going to really take for for them to be pushed over the edge there? Time. I think eventually the industry is going to get too big that they can't ignore it. I think it's already getting to that point where you see NBA teams and um, NFL teams and people like that throwing money in right now. Universities are always slow to move, like you guys kind of said at the beginning of the podcast, and it's only a matter of time. I guarantee these big universities are already looking into it, trying to figure out how to protect their brand at the same time, such as Penn State, but also get into it. So honestly, I think it's just a matter of time before the University of Wisconsin, the University of Oregon, any college starts officially sponsoring these because it'll just get too big to ignore and too many people will be asking for it at the university, especially at the bigger ones. Yeah, I was going to say, like, the attention the attention that it should be, like, it already is drawing in. I'm just, I would figure that we would already be kind of grabbing these guys' attention. So I think, uh, yeah, I think it's a matter of time. And, th- like, maybe within, I'd say maybe next two years when a lot of these well the, the like the new guys going into university and stuff like that are, are already invested and they're like well why isn't this already here like this is a huge this is like everybody's into this now right like so why isn't this already established um now that being said like like is revenue would kind of be a problem too within the school though wouldn't it like drawing people in to like come and watch this or come be a part of it wouldn't that be something else that would have to like in, in entice the universities to kind of get get these programs started so right now at least with like the big 10 thing that we were talking about earlier um all those games were played online so i could see that's how it's going to start for the ncaa i'd assume so i don't think they're going to try making these teams travel and things kind of like that so realistically the only investment they're going to have is in is buying the nice computers and paying the coach and stuff kind of like that so it's not a huge investment and once there's a governing body around it people will start sponsoring it and the money will come there and obviously those students can't win the prize money so instead the school would get take a chunk of it and then the school would just probably offer them a scholarship or something in return for bringing that money into the school so all the money that the students would win would go directly to the university so all they had to do is just invest in a good team to make their money back is kind of how i see it and they can also kind of spin it like it's marketing um so they do the same thing for sports so if you have a really big sports team, you, students are more likely to go there because some students, you know, really like a big football culture in their their colleges. So they'll go to that college because they've seen them on TV and they have a really good sports program. And even though they're not um, football players, they still want to go to the games and they still enjoy that. And I think that could be a driver for esports because if there is this huge young esports crowd that wants to go to a school that has a big esports program they're they're more really more willing to you know apply and and pay full tuition just to go to this university which i think could be a driver for it so you think like the prestige alone is going to be something that that draws it in like who draws a crowd i sort think of thing? it could um so i know within penn state um for for different clubs you'll get more funding if you put on events at the school um so if you bring a guest speaker in or you host a really big event that gets students involved, they'll give you extra funding for that because there's more eyes on it. So if you're doing things for you know the bigger community or you're bringing more eyes onto the school, they're more willing to help you out. And so I think if there is this really big crowd who that is a driving factor, so 
um, Robert Morris University, say if they had trouble with um, admissions and they, they, they were looking to pull a lot of people in, if someone could give um, the bigger admissions audience, I, I, I don't know um, the right way to put that, but if, if you could have data that shows that their admissions went up after they got a collegiate esports program, then, you know, maybe some of these other schools who are, you know, struggling to pull people in or who want to pull people in from maybe out of state so they can get that big tuition, maybe they adopt an esports program because um, just like Andrew was saying, it's not a huge investment. When you're talking about these giant schools that millions of dollars come in and out of, you know, buying a couple of really nice computers in, in a computer lab and maybe hiring an administrator to to kind of facilitate all that isn't really that much money. Yeah, I was going to say the expense is probably pretty, pretty negligible. Like, I mean, I've seen, and I, I hate to keep using Oregon as my example, but it's really the only one I've truly paid attention to, but they just, I think they just invested like millions of dollars into like a brand new, like weight room and stuff like that. Like in that, in comparison to, like you said, just picking up a couple of nice computers and, you know, hiring a coach that has, you know, a decent amount of experience under his belt. It's probably like, yeah, it's probably pennies for them. Right. Oh yeah, especially with these really big schools. Um, and so, if we don't see these really big um, collegiate esports kind of sports programs, like a competitive program, pull up, I think we might also see it in another aspect. So instead of seeing um, schools fund maybe a League of Legends team, what about like kind of an academic program? Um, do you think we might start seeing classes on esports? I mean, maybe what if we even got like a degree at some some university? I don't think so far there's been a degree in esports anywhere. Um, but I know a lot of schools have picked up, um, you know, different video game programs, um, mainly in in the psych colleges and and liberal arts colleges. What do you what do you think about kind of maybe an academic program? Um, I could definitely see there being a marketing program. Um, just of course, being in the marketing major, I mean, there's sports marketing and retail marketing and all kinds of stuff like that when you're getting very specific into emphasis and stuff like that. Like I have a digital marketing uh, ma- uh, digital marketing emphasis. I could definitely see there being an eSports and entertainment uh, emphasis down the road or just an eSports and video games or something kind of like that because it is such an ever-growing um, industry that, I don't think a school, I mean, it doesn't cost school that much extra. I mean, if they have a couple people willing to take a class that covers the cost of one professor, they only need a couple students to take it. So I could see it being down the long run. Um, once again, college takes forever to make any of these choices. Um, they're probably in the talk. Someone's probably recommended it at some college. And I'm sure there's some out there already, as you're kind of saying. But for it to hit the mainstream, it'll be a couple years before universities are really ready to accept that. I mean, that kind of works out for them too, though. I mean, I hate to say it, but like, who do you get to teach these classes, right? You get guys already proven in the industry, right? And a lot of these guys probably aren't going to leave the industry for a while unless, unless you know, somebody's offering them a good chunk of change, right? Like, I mean, I'm sure the guys already in the, like the um, oh, buddy who went to G2, um who's currently with tsm is like a huge like like esports psychologist but i mean you don't really hear about many of these dudes like they're it's a pretty 
pretty niche market right now. Just to, so trying to get somebody to try and teach that class, like, I mean, you are going to have to look at a couple of years down the road so people get established and you actually see, like, an actual, like, uh, like an actual, like, decent amount of people that will actually do it. Well, that's actually something I didn't even think about. Because, I mean, a lot of universities just kind of make these, let's be honest, 50 to 60-year-old guys teach whatever's kind of in their industry and if you have someone that has no idea what esports is teaching an esports class obviously it's not going to do well so yeah yeah it's going to flop yeah exactly right no, that's a good so point. That's, uh, yeah yeah exactly like you're not gonna, you're not going to find many of the the weldon green is his name i just it just kind of came to me you're not going to find many of these guys who want to go teach like i mean you got to wait for them to kind of fizzle out right out of, out of the pro scene or get tired of it right and just kind of get exhausted and worn out and they want to go to like more of a teaching role right so I think we're looking at a couple of years for that anyways, because I, I don't think the, the, the demand is probably definitely there. It's probably already there. But to, to find the people who actually get into those roles to teach it, I think are, is very, very slim. Yeah, I, I definitely think so. And I think it's going to kind of come from the top down in terms of academic level. So I know at Penn State University, there is a small group of PhD students and one um, very, very young professor um, who are currently studying esports in the in the lens of how do people interact with each other in a competitive environment, um, and how does it look when people communicate in a game setting as opposed to a normal group? Um, and these are just PhD students who their PhDs that they're they're working towards are not in esports, but this is kind of their I think it's called a dissertation that they're working towards. So I think we're going to start seeing more of those little things kind of happen. And then eventually those people are going to become professors and they'll kind of have the, the skill sets to start teaching as well as everyone from the industry who, um, they, you know, maybe their time is up in the industry or maybe they just, you know, they don't want to be uh, in the professional setting anymore and they want to move to the academic setting. So I, I definitely agree with that. And I think it's going to take time, but... I definitely think it's going to start there and then kind of work its way down until maybe eventually um, you'll have a kid going into eSports 101 where it's a giant 200-person lecture hall class. I mean, that's that's kind of the dream, right? Like one day have a big class like that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That'd be awesome. But one thing, I can already tell you the uh, findings that they're going to find on how people interact with each other on uh, eSports level. Very, very toxic. <laughs> I don't even know why they're doing research on that. You can log into a League of Legends game on the first day ever and figure out that. I mean, I'm just joking. Yeah. That is really cool that they're doing research on it. But <laughs> let's be honest, everyone's a little bit more of a dick when it comes to video games versus real life. Yeah, and I mean, and I think. No, yeah, oops, uh, sorry, I was go just going to say, like, I mean, even though like, you brought up as a joke, that is actually an interesting question that leads to, though, is why in games are people toxic as opposed to, like, a real life sport? And I think the big the, the big reason for that is is that because it's online and you're not physically seeing this person, um, that there's you there's no there's no like human boundary. Like you know, it's kind of it's kind of scary slash interesting to see how aggressive a person can be when they know there's no risk of any physical you know repercussion. You know what I mean? For uh, and I'm gonna kind of give a, 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 an example in regards to this. I. I uh, I just recently played a land tournament over the weekend, uh, Frag for Cancer. Um, it, it's for the Leukemia Society, um, and they you know it's just a big it's a big esports fundraiser for it. Um, 
I got to physically see a guy I played against tilted, and it was a really weird experience because you could tell this guy wanted to be, you know, aggressive and like, you know, be like toxic, like you guys said, but he couldn't be because you know he was standing right in front of me, right? Like, it, so you don't see that because it's not realistic. Humans don't interact that way in person, but online when there's there's this you know giant barrier that you're never like. You know, I could be flaming a guy from, you know, from, well, I'm in Nova Scotia and I could be doing it to somebody in Wisconsin. I have no physical, like, there's no, there's nothing worrying me that I could, you know, say the worst things in the world to this person other than I could get banned, you know what I mean? So I think that's the big, the big reason that, like, human, like, human instinct doesn't kick in, you know what I mean? No, I definitely agree. That's kind of the point I was going to make, so I guess I don't have anything to add on to that. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> sorry. Andrew. No, I, I I'm a dick on League of Legends. I mean, if I get a little tilted, I will flame the hell out of you if you're getting if you're feeding the other team. So I mean, it's yeah. Again, it's something I'd never do in person. I'd never insult a person straight up for doing something just a simple mistake. But yeah, on video games, when you know that it's just not a big There's deal. No risk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, so um, I, I, mean, I, I kind of I yeah, kind of sorry, uh, hit all my big major talking points that I wanted to hit. Um, so I kind of want to ask you guys: Do you guys have any questions um, that you might want to ask? You know, kind of on how collegiate esports works, you know, at the student level or anything, or just any questions about the scene in general that you might have. Um. Andrew, I'll let you lead because I I have like honestly like I, I, unfortunately I'm so removed from the collegiate scene that I I'm not like I I it's it's like a it's a big open box for me so I'm sure you have much more specifics for uh, for Dylan's already yeah and I guess it's not exactly on college esports and how they work and stuff kind of like that but just for anyone that wants to get into the esports industry you obviously don't have a degree in esports like how did you end up finding that first startup and how could someone else kind of get into it just kind of a little bit of information for our listeners. Yeah, so there's a couple different aspects that go into it. Um, so the first thing, obviously, is networking is very, very important. Um, you'll find once you get into the collegiate esports scene, it's very small. A lot of the collegiate esports things are run by you know very familiar faces once you're there. Um, so that's definitely a sign of a, of a small community, and it's still you know it's still growing. Um, so the big thing is, if you want to get into the esports industry and you're going to university, first thing to do is look for your local esports club, um, get involved with it, and try to start reaching out to other things. So there's a big collegiate organization that is um, related to Blizzard called TESPA. Um, so what they are is they're kind of Blizzard's marketing slash collegiate branch. Um, and I say that because obviously Blizzard does have a use for them and it's getting Blizzard products out there. Um, but on Tespa's end, what they do is they partner with uh, esports clubs and they run tournaments for them. So I know Hearthstone has a big Tespa tournament that's been going on. And it's actually been on Hearth- the, the main Hearthstone Twitch. Um, they've been playing all the university matches. And so they kind of facilitate and run that. And if you have a club that's associated with that, they have meetups that you can go to. And you can talk to other schools. Um, you can talk to other collegiate organizations just by playing with them. Um, the big definitely go to meetups um, for for esports. So I know all the packs, um, all, all the different packs. So Pack East, Prime, and and South all have collegiate esports meetups that you should definitely go out to. Um, there's plenty of people to play online with. 
And then from there, I would just say, kind of just keep a lookout. Um, I know if you search on our esports, there's definitely a lot of people asking about doing esports related things like this podcast, for example. Um, even something like this is a really good experience in esports because even though it's not a, a professional setting, we're still kind of talking about esports and we're, we're still doing something and we're still making something related to esports. And so whenever you go into try to get into the professional environment, that's the big thing that they're looking for is that you're doing things. People in the esports industry like to see passion and they like to see that you can go out and, and, and do these things yourself because it shows that you have a lot of value and that you'd be very flexible and very willing to adapt to a very quickly adapting environment. Yeah, I mean, like, how do you, like, it's so, it's so, it's so difficult to measure experience in something that's so young, then, like, the next thing you have to go for is passion, right, and drive and see how much somebody wants to bust their ass to make a, make a name in the industry, right, because you can't measure it any other way, like, I mean, esports, you know, in the big scope is so, so mm -hmm. new, you know what I mean, like, like, this is the only way to really prove that you, you're interested, Yeah, right? exactly, and um, another good thing to do is go to Blizzard's website, go to Riot's website, look for the jobs that sound interesting to you. And usually there it will say, um, you know, skill set that we want to see in you and it'll have bullet points. Take each one of those bullet points and try to find something else. It doesn't have to be esports related, but just try to find something else that's related to those and try to do them. Because even if you haven't been involved in the industry, some of these entry level jobs, if you could say, yeah, I hit all these bullet points and I've done these in, in different positions and different roles. You, you can get in the industry that way. And yeah, that's like, oh, sorry, go ahead, Andrew. I guess, I mean, there are esports job boards starting to pop up out there too. Um, and that's always a place to do because, I mean, club organizations have just as much trouble finding people to work for them as you are having trouble finding them mm -hmm. so the problems on both sides too and like one i just used the other day it's i think it's called wrecked i think it was wreckedjobs.com r-e-k-t jobs.com and i saw an internship offer for like immortals for doing their social media and stuff like that so i mean if you look out there if you just google esports job boards they are out there and people do post on them usually a lot of them are unpaid but sometimes doing unpaid internships and getting those connections and experience are worth much more than getting paid minimum wage and not getting as much out of it. So that's something I can definitely say for esports and any industry as a whole. Do unpaid and just get any kind of experience because that experience and those connections are worth 10 times more than doing a shitty job and getting paid a little bit of money. I, I, I would advise against that for bigger industries. Really? Bigger industries, you should never take an unpaid internship. But for oh, smaller yeah. industries, 100%, it is totally okay because like like we were talking about, it, it's a small industry and those those networking connections are so valuable to have. Oh, I definitely agree. If you're an engineer, do not do a free internship. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you have bigger problems if you're thinking about doing that. But no, definitely like if it's just a side project or something you're doing on, like this is a side project. I treat this kind of like, oh, it's an internship. It's an opportunity to make connections and get experience in the industry I want. So mm -hmm. sometimes you'll snag a job that pays a little bit, but don't be afraid to commit three, four hours a week to a side project that's related in the industry you want to be in, rather it's esports, video games, or whatever it can be.
Yeah, and just like I said at the beginning of this podcast, if you don't have an opportunity, like you don't see a job out there for you or you can't get it, just start doing it yourself. Like like Andrew, you just started doing this podcast. That's that that's something that that people should be doing. They should just just start doing this. If you want to be um, an esports uh, journalist, just start writing articles and, and post them on Reddit. Uh, just start doing match write-ups. Um, if you want to be, if you want to do analysis for League of Legends, just start making YouTube videos of of vods of you, you know, going through people's, you know, plays and and just analyzing them. Um, a lot of these skills you can just kind of start doing yourself, and you can kind of build your own skill set. Yeah, and I mean, as long as like, I mean, the resources are there to promote yourself too. Like, I mean all these all these teams like all these industries like these industries like they have their own subreddits like andrew said they have their own job boards like for example we used what was it hit marker hit marker jobs to, to find our to find our league of legends coach like i mean it, it, it's active and the nice part is too is you see everything from the range of these small teams that are just trying to get off the ground or these small organizations to every, anything to from that to like seeing Madison Square Garden reporting or like recording uh sorry recruiting people for like for working with them because they want a knowledge of esports and stuff like that so i mean that's the nice part is that because the industry is so small you see such a you see everything right you see what everybody's after yeah and uh so do you guys have any any other questions that that you have Um, how is, uh, so is the StarCraft scene still, still fairly active at Penn State or like, is it kind of fizzled out? So the StarCraft scene is definitely hit or miss, hit or miss at at any university. Uh, unfortunately for Penn State, um, it's not too big. So the big collegiate schools just in general, I would definitely say are in California and actually Canada. I know, um... I think it's is it University of Toronto? Yeah, they U of T, are amazing. Yeah. Like we used to play when when I was a freshman and I was playing StarCraft in um I, it was CSL actually that that ran a collegiate scene or collegiate tournament. Um, they used to absolutely destroy us every time, and I think they had some pro players on it too. So this was an instance of of pro players actually going to university, um, and they were playing on it. I think they're the reason why, um. CSL eventually implemented a, a rule that like you couldn't have pro players on your team if they lived in a team house in the past uh, I think year or so. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Oh really? That's uh yeah. yeah but there was geez, that's quite the, that's quite yeah, the adjustment. There was, there was pros and stuff, and um, they would absolutely destroy us. But anyways, so it's it's very dead now at Penn State for for StarCraft. Uh, the big games are obviously the newer esports. Um, and, mm-hmm. and League of Legends, of course. Um, and actually, Hearthstone. We're doing really, really well in Hearthstone right now. Um, but unfortunately, StarCraft has is, is definitely gone down. It's kind of... And I just wanted to ask that, because I knew that was your background and stuff like that, and is where it's kind of like... StarCraft in general is kind of like the grandfather mm-hmm. of esports, right? Like, it's, it's, it's kind of interesting to see how it's doing in these different regions and stuff like that. Yeah, I would definitely say with the, the colleges who are really good at the game... It, just like everyone who's still playing StarCraft now, it's it's all the people are, who were really, really good at the game are still playing it now, but all the more casual people have kind of fizzled out. Yeah, yeah. unfortunately, that's the problem with a game that has such a high like skill ceiling, right? Like, There's so much discrepancy and stuff mm-hmm. like that. 
and I guess I don't have too much questions any otherwise I think you did a great job I think we covered a couple more topics than I thought we were going to I'm really happy we talked about getting more or less kind of involved and kind of getting into esports outside of it too because I think that's just as important um, about collegiate esports as well because not everyone's going to be a professional player and the NCAA joining esports or partnering with esports may change it but it doesn't change the fact of like getting those jobs and getting into the industry so I guess I don't have any questions but I'm actually really happy with where you brought some of the topics today yeah absolutely man great yeah, job thanks Dylan. for letting me host this because uh, collegiate esports is something I'm super super passionate about um, so I always love talking about it and I could literally just sit here and answer questions all day, but um, I'll go <laughs> ahead and wrap all my stuff up by just saying and, and reiterating, if you have a collegiate esports club, join it, get involved. Everyone in the scene is, is super, super nice. Even though people online are super toxic, usually in person, people are pretty nice. <laughs> and if you don't have one, just start a club. Just learn how to start a club at your university and just do it. It's, it's really easy and it's super, super rewarding. And it, you will make connections that will definitely last a lifetime. So I'll go ahead and, and, and pass I mean, it over to Andrew well, so he can, he can kind of wrap everything up. But thanks. Yeah, no, yeah, thank you, Dylan, for everything. And just kind of what I was trying to say there. Is, and at least I will at least offer myself, if you, any of you guys have any questions about anything. I mean, I haven't started an esports league, um, oh, my God, organization specifically. But I have started organizations and been on the board of them. So, I mean, you can always find me on Twitter at NIMS41, N-I-M-Z-4-1. And if you have any questions about esports or anything kind of like that, or you just need help growing or starting a, um, an organization, definitely hit me up. I'd love to help you. I'd love to talk about it. And I'd love to do whatever I can to kind of help that make your reality. Because being involved is one of the biggest and most important things in uh, college, I think. So it's something I definitely encourage no matter what your interests are. But, yeah, outside of following me on Twitter... Um, that's really all I have to say today. I want to thank you again, Dylan, for hosting. And James, I'll hand it over to you to do your little wrap-up. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, unfortunately, Dylan and Andrew, I don't have much, uh, much, you know, actual education in in regards to startup or anything like that. But I am super passionate with the scene, and it's half the reason why I got involved in it. Um, I just, because I just wanted to be a part of it. So, even if you just want to talk about, like, what to do or... Also, I mean, I'm a pretty good League of Legends player, so I'm sure I could help you out with that. Um, you can find me on Twitter at James A-R-E Graham. Um, that's pretty much the easiest way to contact me. Um, I'm always down to talk. And, uh, yeah, Dylan, go feel free to wrap yeah, around, Yeah, and man. if you have any questions about esports or collegiate esports, you, and if you did want to start up your own club, feel free to reach out to me, and I can definitely help answer any questions that you might have about that. I'm at Beal for Real on Twitter, so feel free to reach out anytime. Awesome. And then again, thank you to all of our listeners for joining us for the third podcast of the Project Esports podcast, talking all about collegiate esports, getting involved in all the things above. It is so glad that you guys are listening and joining it. If you ever have any kind of critiques or anything like that, leave it in the comments, bother us on Twitter, whatever it takes. We want to make this as great as it can for you guys. And thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to listen to us. Until next week, see you later.